0: This morning I want to end this short little series on looking at Christ by considering the story of the shepherds. It was a fairly unusual story. In fact, they were what we might call the first responders to the story of the birth of Jesus. They were the first to hear about his birth. They were ordinary men going about their business in the fields, a very mundane business by the world's standards, individuals who likely had little indication or education in Maybe not a whole lot of talent. We might know them as the invisibles. People that you kind of look at, but you look right through them. You don't even know if they're in the same room as you, but they certainly exist. That's how shepherds were. Most people never noticed them. But suddenly in Bethlehem's fields at night, there, an angel appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them. And that angel came with a birth announcement, a strange, amazing birth announcement not unlike we would find in a newspaper today as parents publish the birth of their newborn babies and this birth announcement came with news of great joy it gave a date of birth this day has been born unto you it gave a place of the birth in the city of David which is Bethlehem and it gave the identity of the child a savior Christ the Lord And so I want to read the text and then give you three or four words that I want to hang my thinking on as we wrap up this short little series on Unto Us a Child is Born. I want to read the passage from Luke. It's Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to read from uh, verse 1, which is actually the story of the birth, all the way down to verse 20. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was his child. And while they were there, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you today and uh, we're thankful again that you have made yourself known to us as you did to the angels in scripture. I'm thankful, Father, that in all the the, 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 the advertisements and all the songs and all the stories and all the fables of Christmas that Christ is not hidden, that you have opened our eyes to see this child that was born to Mary, to see who he was. And I pray, Father, that that revelation would continue until that day that child returns, that many more would have their eyes open to realize that born that day, was a savior for them if they would but put their hope and trust in him and so father as we turn to your word today would you make the word live it is the living word of god we are dead though and we need you to make us alive and make that word live in us so make it live i pray in jesus name amen there's really four words that i want to hang my thoughts on uh, this morning Uh, the words are exhortation proclamation revelation, and transformation. Before we get there, though, Luke prefaces what he says to, uh, about the shepherds by recounting the birth of Jesus, Mary's spouse, or sorry, Mary's mother. Mary's uh, husband, Joseph, was of the lineage in the house of David. It's an important idea for us to remember, an important note for us to understand, because Bethlehem was David's hometown, and he was a kingly young man. He was, after all, of the family and the lineage of David. They had made their way to Bethlehem to complete a census that had been arranged by the governor. Luke records that while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Luke is not painting for us a picture of an immediate birth upon arrival late at night. Rather, they had already been in a city, they had finally found lodging, and then the time came for Mary to give birth. And Joseph, as I said, was of the house and lineage of David. He would have been no stranger in Bethlehem. After all, it was the city of David, and he almost certainly would have had family and friends that resided in that town. Most likely, Joseph would have prepared ahead of time for arrangements to stay in a private home. And when they arrived at that home, the the word in, I think, means guest house. It's the same word that's used when Jesus tells his disciples to go to a house and ask for the guest room that had been prepared for them, that they might have the supper together or the last supper together. So when they arrived at this house where he had made arrangements to stay, the guest house was full. And so they probably stayed in the family room because most of those homes only had two bedrooms in them. And at night they would bring the animals into a particular part of that little home, there would be a trough dug out into the floor or a wooden cradle made and they would have stayed in this particular home. When the time came for the baby to be born, the house probably would have been cleared of all the men, The women would have been left, a couple midwives likely would have been called to help attend to Mary as she labored and then finally gave birth to a son. And then this newborn child, according to Middle Eastern custom, would have been taken and wrapped in swaddling clothes keep his arms and his legs tight about him, and then he was placed in the manger, as I said, either one that was carved out of the floor or one that was made out of wood. With the safe arrival of this baby, Emmanuel, as we know his name, a birth announcement needed to be made. But who should be the first to know? Who should be the first responders? Well, it was a group of shepherds. And so we begin by simply this word of exhortation. It It's one that we're very familiar with. It's the angels as they speak to the shepherds. They really say to them, don't be afraid. And it's a logical thing for them to say. After all, the shepherds' instinctive reaction would have been one of incredible fear. In fact, the text literally said they feared with a great fear. At first glance, we would say, yeah, that fear is certainly understandable. They were going on their business of looking after the sheep at night. Their job was to protect them from uh, robbers and from wild animals that would come in. They would have been alert. They would have been on a sort of a heightened uh, state of alertness. And then something uncontrollable, something unpredictable, out of nowhere, this angel appears to them, this huge uh, heavenly being. And the glory of God, which is a way of saying the presence of God, surrounded that angel. I suspect this was the first time that ever happened to them. And I suspect it probably was the last time it ever happened to them. And any encounter that one has with a divine being always is first described as coming with it fear. That's the typical response of anybody that encountered a divine being in the Bible was fear. Shepherds were no different. As I said, they were terrified. Standing before them was this holy being. This strong and powerful being, this dazzling being, of course, they were afraid. I think the immediate fear would have probably been uh, attributed to the unknown. Something unnatural had happened. Their explanation in their own heart before the angel probably spoke a word was, we're goners, or we're not going to live through this moment. Uh, It was a terrifying moment for them. All of a sudden, though, there was a whole host of angels that appeared around them. And they realized that there was a word for them. And it wasn't a word, you're going to die. It was a word, this is good news of great joy. We've got a great uh, proclamation to make to you. And as the angels, angels spoke that word of proclamation, and as the rest of the angels appeared, the heavenly host singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace towards men, their hearts were calmed. And so this was the proclamation that was given to the shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, a Savior, Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah of the Old Testament, Lord being sovereign master, the sovereign master or ruler over, them, over their lives. I don't know about you, but I think one of the greatest antidotes to fear, any fear that we have, is the truth. Often fear is based on the unknown or it's based on the irrational. Almost every time that's true of any fear that we have. And so very quickly as the angels speak to them and as the angels sing and appear in the heaven, they realize it's not a destroying angel come to kill them, but rather there's an, these are angels that have good news of great joy for them. They're not coming with judgment, but they're coming with great news of salvation for them and of peace in their lives. What could be greater news than a Savior has been born? one who is the messiah one who is the sovereign lord over them and know what the text says unto you is are, are born for you in the city of david this is an amazing birth announcement this isn't a child that is born for the parents this was a child that was born specifically for the shepherds for those who were in need of a savior and while they might not have been educated individuals and while they might not have, well, they likely would have been treated terribly and were at the bottom of the cultural heap their response to this word or this proclamation was one of thoughtfulness and humility and teach- teachableness i have no way of knowing the un- the background of these specific shepherds what their home life was or what their spiritual understanding was certainly some of them would have come from god-fearing homes But all of the shepherds, I think, would have had some understanding of why some of their sheep were born, why some of them were taken at such a young age. They were, after all, on the outskirts of Jerusalem. They would have known that these sheep were destined for sacrifice. They would have, many of them, had some knowledge or understanding of sacrifice. They would have participated in a Passover. They would have known about the morning and evening sacrifices. After all, they probably had long conversations into the night of, really, what are these sheep being born for? Do you know that these sheep are going to die? And they would have talked about the meaning of the death and the meaning of sacrifice and why they were taking place. And they would have had all these questions in their mind. And all of a sudden, the angel appears to them with this incredible proclamation that for them, for you, a Savior has been born. What an incredible proclamation declaration that was of the angels to these shepherds so there was an exhortation to them to not be afraid the exhortation uh, and their their, the the command to them not to be uh, afraid was um, filled with knowledge which would have quenched that fear but then we have a word which is maybe unfamiliar to some of us but it's a word of revelation It means uh, uh, revealing the lord had made known to them something how did the shepherds find out about this how did they find Jesus how did they go to the place he was born well I suspect they didn't use google maps I don't think they pulled out their phones and tapped in google maps I doubt they said hey hey Siri where's that baby that was born in Bethlehem no they were able to narrow down their search because of the specificity of the angel to them there were two things that the angel said to them First was that this baby was born in the city of David. There were two cities of David. Jerusalem was a city of David, but Bethlehem was also known as a city of David. We already know it's Bethlehem because of what we read earlier in Luke chapter 2. Secondly, there's a pretty significant hint that there was a baby that was born today. Earlier in the day, before night came, there was a baby that was born, and you can identify that baby because, one, it's wrapped in swaddling clothes, and it's lying in a manger. This would have alerted them to the fact, and I believe this is helpful, that this wasn't a high society baby. This was a regular baby like their children would have been when they were born, wrapped in a swaddling cloth that was Near Eastern custom laid in a manger. And we think, had God not sent his angel to them, they would have not had a clue that this baby was born. This is the word of revelation. They would have just passed the night as they always did, like every other night. They would have found morning had arrived. They would have got up. They would have probably exchanged shift with the other shepherds. They would have gone home for a quick breakfast and to bed. They, like so many others, would have no clue that actually Emmanuel had been born, that God had sent his son born of a woman, born under the law as God had sent his angel to them, had God God not made known the truth to them about this baby, they would have had no clue that it was born. He said, and this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That was revelation. That was God revealing something to these shepherds that they had no clue about. The uniqueness of the baby was something that they would not have perceived by simply looking at a baby. They would have just said, oh, that's a baby like any other baby. That's a baby like my wife did with our first child. There's no different about him. What made this baby unique was that God revealed to them that it was to be their Savior, Christ, the Lord. The shepherds had a couple of options, as we all do when God makes himself known to us. They could have outright ignored it, chalked it up to the paranormal, maybe a bad dream as a couple of them had fallen asleep or too many sleepless nights, or they could have gone and checked out what the angel had said to them. Was this really true? Was there actually a baby born in their city that day that was wrapped the way that they would wrap their child in Placed in a manger. Luke tells us what they did. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, and then these words which the Lord had made known to them. I think we really have little comprehension about how significant it is that God opens our blind eyes, that God softens our hard hearts so that we might hear his truth that we might receive his revelation and their response is an amazing response they go and they see the child it's not something that happens in our world we have churches that are online and at one point we're open all over the world and very few people just walked into those churches We live in a world which declares the glory of God in all of the things that He has made, and yet few people acknowledge that God is ever part of creation. We have the Word of God, we have Bibles that have been printed by the billions, and there are so many people who never open them, and never go to them to see what God has said to them. Every year we celebrate Christmas, one of the primary revelations of God, and yet we continue to go and cut down Christmas trees and have hot chocolate and watch um, The Grinch or or The Christmas Carol and never give a thought to who the baby was that God had revealed to them and to us. We need the revelation of God. We need our eyes to be opened. And so God opened the eyes of the shepherds and they left what they were doing to see if this was true, to see if what The angel had said about God and this baby had actually taken place. How amazing is that? By faith, they went to see if what God had declared was actually true. And then the final word about the shepherds is the word of transformation. As the story tells us, as Luke recounts, the shepherds did go to Bethlehem to the city of David at the angel's urging. And they did find the baby, as the angel had indicated, and where the angel had indicated, lying in a manger. And at that moment, their faith was made sight. It began with finding the child, just as the angels had said, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And I think when, the, when Luke tells us they declared it, or they, they, they said about what had happened, who did they tell? Well, they told Mary and Joseph. I think as they had found that child, finally they they had knocked on a few doors and they had been sent to this one particular home. They walked in and all of a sudden they realized that what the angels said is true. Well, who did they tell? Well, they told Mary and Joseph. Because it it says the very next thing is that Mary treasured these things up in her heart. What did she treasure? The fact that these angels had come and told shepherds about her baby. In that little room, in that home, Probably with the midwives and maybe a few of the friends of Joseph that, that were there. These shepherds had recounted to them the revelation of God to them about this child. And it would have been confirmation to Mary and Joseph about what the angel had told them about their child. About who he was and why he was special. It was this incredible Thing that had happened and what happened in the shepherd's life is all of a sudden when their faith became sight when they realized that what God had revealed them uh, to them was true I think faith uh, became um, l- salvation in their hearts and they returned to the fields different men they returned with different language they returned with different words they returned with a different understanding they went back glorifying and praising God The Bible tells us again and again that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Eventually, what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. Always. That's just the way it is. And so that tells me that something had happened in their heart. There had been a transformation. There had been an overtaking. There had been a renewal in their heart, And they couldn't contain that inner transformation. And it flooded out of their mouths in praise and thanksgiving. And so we have in this story, this exhortation, this proclamation, this revelation, and then this transformation. And as I thought this through, I thought, you know, there's application to us here. We've been through one of the most unusual years that we'll ever experience, I think, in our lifetimes. There's been a lot of things that have come and gone. And as I thought through this, I thought, well, these four words, and I've added a fifth one as we go through it have application for our hearts and lives the first one is simply the exhortation that the angels gave to the shepherds fear not you see i suspect fear has been one of the dominant emotions and reactions of people in the world around us today something new has invaded the collective conscience of our world and for many this has been a great terror You see it in their eyes, you hear it in their voices, you see it in their overreactions. And we do live in a world that is dominated by fear. And unfortunately, people are so often controlled by fear. We have climate change, and the fear that if we're not careful, the ice caps are going to melt, and the water is going to rise, and the temperatures are going to increase, and We are going to boil ourselves alive on this earth. I can tell for certain, I know this world will not flood again. But I do know this world will be destroyed by fire. But not because of climate change. But because the Lord has told us that at one day, this world will be destroyed. And the elements will be melted by God's fire. We have fear of COVID. The fear of getting this virus. It's paralyzing people in our world. Yet we still know not a lot about it. We know some about it, but we know not a lot about it. We don't know about the new strains and how they're transmitted. We really don't know how it's spread. We don't know about the vulnerabilities of people. We worry about, is it on the island? Is it in the mid-island? Do I need to be careful where I go? And then there's the ultimate fear that has been accentuated in these times and that is the fear of death it's a universal reality and I've realized that many people have their TVs on all day long and as they do they've got this heightened awareness of this constant fear of this death this reminder this daily reminder of those who are catching this disease and those that are dying of this this virus some will do anything and listen to anyone who seems to offer them a reprieve from this fear And in the end, we ought to fear death. We ought to fear death, though, because death ushers us into an eternal reality. That is the reason we ought to fear death, ultimately, is because when we die, our eternal destination is determined. And many are terrified at the thought of what may come when they do die. The Bible tells us very clearly, we're not to fear the one or anything that can kill the body, but rather we are to fear him who can destroy both body and soul in death. Physical death is not the worst thing that can happen to you. How we need to listen to our Bibles in times like this, how we need to listen to the proclamations again and again in the word of God, fear not, fear not. Fear not. These are not just words for the shepherds in the fields. These are words for you and I today. Fear not. Why? Because God is in control. Fear not. Why? Because we are God's children. Fear not. Why? Because God has determined our eternal destiny. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Psalm 91, I have read and reread a number of times in these days, still working my head around it and through it. It was a psalm that has helped God's people through many different plagues that have ravage the world over the centuries he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty i will say to the lord my refuge my fortress my god in whom i trust for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge his faithfulness his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot on a stone. You will tread on a lion and an adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor honor him. Loved ones, we need not fear. We have a God who guides and directs and controls this world. We have a God who we call Father. We have a God who sends his angels to watch over us and to care for us and to protect us. Oh, that doesn't mean that we will never die, but it means that God knows the day of our death as he knows the day of our life. And Christ has died to give us life. And so we need not fear what's on the other side of death should that come to us. Because Christ has secured our place in eternity. Loved ones, fear not. The second word is proclamation. Well, there will be great joy when this virus is behind us. Know this: a vaccine may save us physically, or it may save you physically, but it has no benefit to your soul. The joy of a vaccination and the subsiding of uh, or the subsiding of COVID pales in comparison to the good news of great joy that there is a cure for your terminal illness which is sin. We all have that terminal illness, which is why we all die. And yet God has provided a cure for us. A Savior has been born for you, for all peoples. This birth, this birth of Mary's child, God in human flesh, is for you and for me. This is good news of great joy for you. Will you not at least embrace the message and go and check it out and see if it is not true? To emulate or imitate the shepherds and say, Oh, I've never heard this before, or this is new to me, or it makes sense. I've I've got inklings of this because of this, this. I'm going to go check this out. At least go and do that. And when you do, when you do go to Christ, you will find that he redeems you. That he forgives you. That he embraces you. That he replaces your sin with his righteousness. And that he ushers you in to the family of God. Incredible proclamation that we have in the midst of all this physical need that we have. The third is revelation. The angels made known to the shepherds these incredible things of god well think about the revelation of god that we have today and by that i mean things that we know that that we would not know had god not had not god made them known to us had god not first acted to reveal himself to us we would still be in the dark about so many things. We would be in the dark about our world and where it came from. We would be in the dark about ourselves and, and what gives us meaning in life. We would be in the dark about a sin and its consequences. We would be in the dark about Jesus and why he is the savior of our sins. We would be in the dark about what happens to us after death. We would live in constant fear and fear of the unknown. We would have no answers to the world in which we live. Without the intervention of God in our lives and in our world, we would never find the truth. And just like God made known to the shepherds the birth of Jesus Christ, so too God makes known to you and I who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. You see, when the shepherds came to the place where Jesus was born and found him wrapped in those swaddling clothes. I doubt they had any inclination in their hearts that that same baby at his death would be wrapped in linen cloths. God has revealed so much to us about not only the birth of that baby and who he was, but why he lived the kind of life he did and why he died the kind of way that he died and why he was raised from the death, from the dead. We have so many more of full revelations from God to us. Today might be the very first time you've ever heard any of this. You may have just turned on this this live stream and thought, "I'm going to give this a go." Let me tell you, you've not done that by accident. God, in His mercy, has opened your eyes to. to to hear about Christ maybe for the first time he's guided you to this particular YouTube broadcast maybe out of all the ones you could have been watching so that you can hear that there is a remedy for your guilt and for your shame there is a way out of the fear that has been gripping you and that is through Jesus Christ the Lord for those of us who have known the Lord in this past year who have been able to consider the things God has done for us because God has revealed them to us. Because even though we live in a world that is going through some craziness right now, we understand that there is a God who is over all that craziness. And maybe we need to make known the revelation that God has given us to those that we come in contact with. May God help us to share the things that he has revealed to us with other people to encourage their hearts transformation Jesus born for you he alone can save you in every possible dimension of the word you know the greatest truth that you can ever come to know and we've used that around here for the past year, is that God is real when you discover this and you embrace by faith that reality, God will begin to transform every nook and cranny of your life. And when you grasp that he is for you and not against you, when you begin to realize his love and power and purpose and the height and the breadth and the depth of his great love, when you by faith accept that God so loved the world that he sent his only one or his only son into the world, to give you eternal life. You will be transformed as the shepherds were from the inside out. Salvation from God is not an external salvation initially. It is an internal one where God all of a sudden gives you life when you were dead. When God all of a sudden gives you freedom when you were enslaved. When God all of a sudden gives you a clean and a pure conscience when your conscience was racked with guilt. And you will begin to find your language change as you recognize that transformation that has taken place in you. And you will speak things that you've never spoken. And you will say things that you don't know really where they come from. Only that all of a sudden you find yourself giving thanks to God for something that he has done inside of you. This year has been a year of challenges. But you can experience a transformation like nothing else if you will but go and see Christ. The final thing that I want to mention to us, and this really wasn't something that happened to the shepherds, but it was Mary's response to all of this. It simply says that after the shepherds had shared what the angels had said to them and about where they would find this child and about how they could identify this child. It says, Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. So many words fill our lives today. It would be wonderful to live in a culture among Christians where the dominant word and exhortation was not necessarily Dr. Henry says or Dr. Fauci says or any other person whose words are infallible after all, but rather that our conversations would be dotted with God says or the word of God says this or the Bible says that, and that we would stake our lives and we would determine our actions by what God says to us and by what the word of God says to us. I'm not saying this to cast doubt upon what Dr. Bonnie Henry says or any other expert in the world around us, but rather I want to remind us of a greater word, of a greater authority, of an infallible word, of a never-changing word, of an everlasting word. It's a word which trumps all other words. It's the word of God. And so I ask you as I ask myself, is the word of God dominant in your thinking? Is the word of God gripping your mind as the words of the world is gripping people's mind? Is the Word of God guiding your reactions and your emotions and your affections? Is the Word of God controlling your fears and determining how you're walking, even in the midst of this world in which we live today? No doubt it's a scary world. It was a scary world for Mary as well. But she chose to believe the Word of God. She she chose to allow the Word of God to shape her response to the circumstances that she found herself in. I've been reading the book of Revelation, as I always do, in the month of December. I was in Revelation 15 a number of days ago, where there John describes heaven's perspective on earth, and he begins by describing a sea of glass mingled with fire, a sea of glass. Really, I think what that is describing is God's ability to just bring absolute and perfect calm. To the world there is calm before the throne of god we might look out and see our world in turmoil and we do but from heaven's perspective it is this sea of glass which is perfect still and calm from heaven's perspective looking down upon the earth we see this sea of glass controlled by god what a contrast the perspective of heaven is looking down rather than our perspective looking up as we see the mess in which our world lives. How often does the world that we live in seem like a raging sea as the nations heave and as the people rage against God and as uh, more news of the virus spreads in different ways, as words of bombs going off uh, influence and uh, interrupt our thinking. Loved ones, we need to pick ourselves up and put ourselves in heaven And look down upon the earth as God sees it as a place of dead, flat, calm. As those in Exodus did, they looked up into a calm blue sky like sapphire. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet as it were a pavement of sapphire stone. Like the very heaven for clearness. We need to remind ourselves of heaven's perspective. We need to remind ourselves of God's sovereign control over this world. Even though the oceans may roar, even though our lives may very much feel like a raging sea, God says to us, trust me. Trust me. We need to take up the vantage point of heaven as Mary did when she pondered the truth of God Revealed to the angel or to the shepherds that have come to see her. It's fascinating to me that in Revelation 15, one of the dominant things are two songs: the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Those who are people of God, those among the people of God, are are full of praise and of worship and of songs of redemption. The picture in Revelation 15 is not of a select few, but it's of the people of God as they sing before God of His great redemption, of His great power, of His holiness, and of His perfections. Some say that the best way to get the devil to retreat is to sing praises to God from your hearts. Praise expels Satan's influence from our lives and our churches. And our communities, as one ancient father said long ago, the devil cannot stand Christian praise. It all but drives him out of his mind, he said, and he won't leave. May I make a suggestion through way of a question? What would be more effective in changing the atmosphere of your life as we come out of a year and head into another year? Complaining or praising Words of fear or words of truth. There's a story in the Old Testament that I just read. I'm also in Second Chronicles in December. It's about a king, King Jehoshaphat. He was up against a massive army that was coming against him. He was greatly outnumbered by this army that had come against him. And they did this very strange thing on the morning of the battle. He brought the wiped robe Levitical choirs out of their service in the temple and lined them up in front of the army. Can you imagine how dangerous that much of, must have perceived to the army that was just about ready to attack them? And Jehoshaphat knew what he was doing. He told the Levitical choirs who regularly sang songs of David to start praising the beauty of holiness. And as they lifted up their voices, singing God's praises on the battlefield, something supernatural happened. It's described like the power of God fell. Satan was routed. The army was turned on itself and destroyed all through the praises of God's people. And so we read here that Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. She was taking the word of God, the truths of God, the promises of God to her and that was what was filling her heart and mind. Can I give us a challenge for the last six days this year? Let's call it a year-end challenge. Turn off your TVs, turn off your news feeds, turn off your radios, no more CNN, no more MSNBC, no more Fox News, no more CBC, no more CTV, no more COVID updates until January the first just one week six days and replace that time with pondering and meditating on the things of God allow the eternal word of God to wash over you allow that to fill your heart and your soul allow that to diffuse your fears let that proclamation give you joy let that revelation fill you with awe in God's goodness to you And as you do, I'm sure, I know, you will find your heart and your mind transformed as Mary did. Ponder the things of God for six days. Take up the challenge, would you? Father, we come before you today. I thank you for your word. Your word, which uh, we don't always do a great job of necessarily explaining it, but your spirit, does so perfectly in our hearts and minds. And so today, as we go through the rest of this day, I ask that your word would be magnified and expounded and fastened into our hearts and our minds by the Spirit of God. Stuff that was wrong or stuff that was set in error, Father, would you allow that to just fall away? And would you allow your word, your eternal word, to stay, and to stick. Father, may we find hope in you, in your revelation. May we find comfort as we reflect and meditate on it, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.